This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Hurley. Independent news commentary featuring newsmakers, thought leaders, and authors. Season 11, Episode 10, Ringside with A.J. Kirsch. Life as a combat sports announcer and broadcaster. Joining us today from his home in Marin is A.J. Kirsch, combat sports announcer and former pro wrestler. And he's here to talk about life in the ring, both as an announcer and a competitor. Welcome to the show, AJ. Thanks for having me, Jim. I'm excited to be here. So, AJ, how did you first get your start? And maybe we should start by saying how you and I met. I thought you were going to take it up there, but I'm happy to chime in. Sure, go <laughs> ahead. Go. F- you and I met really just by chance. We were both attending an event at the Olympic Club in San Francisco, their annual Fight Night for Charity fundraiser, which features some incredibly talented local boxers putting on an exhibition for members of the Olympic Club. And it's an amazing fundraiser. If I remember correctly, this year they raised over $400,000 for local youth sports programs. And it broke my heart that it didn't happen last year. Obviously, there were uh, many a different reason keeping us from having Fight Night 2020, but it, it was finally back this year, and they once again asked me if I'd be willing to ring announce the event, and it was, it was a no-brainer. I did it for the first time in 2019, and it was an absolute blast. I loved having a chance to share my talents on a stage that just is there to contribute to the greater good. And I was there a little bit early, still waiting for my girlfriend to arrive. And here's a table with some handsome gentleman sitting at <laughs> sitting at it without anybody else around. And I was like, you know what? He looks nice. I'm going to ask if I can join him, this complete stranger. And you were nice enough to let me sit at that table. You and I struck up a conversation, and here we are. Exactly. Here we are. And... I was fascinated with your story because I remember you from 2019 when you did the announcing for that event. And, and of course, that was the event where we had actually brought two boxers from Ireland. As you might recall, I'm active with the San Francisco Cork Sister City Committee. And one That's of right. our, and one of our programs is sports exchanges. So we had actually brought two boxers and their trainers from Ireland to compete against the local boxers. And of course, uh, you were the announcer for, uh, for that event. We chatted about that and I thought, gee, this young man has a great story to tell. And I'm sure my listeners would love to find out how you become a combat sports announcer, because I'm sure there are hundreds of thousands of young men and young women out there who would love to have a job like that. With that in mind, AJ, how did you become a combat sports announcer? I I appreciate the question very much, and I also really enjoyed just kind of revisiting the conversation you and I had shortly after I sat down. But I also want to point out it happened to be your birthday that night. And that was just some, uh, like the, the entire room saying you happy birthday. That doesn't happen often that the Olympic Club sings you happy birthday. So well, I just have to point that out as another another um, dollop of icing on the cake on what was an incredible night. Well, thank you. And that's the first time in my life that 300 people got up and serenaded me with Happy birthday to you. So certainly the first time, probably the last time, but I was very impressed. And once again, just speaks to the, uh, to the fun and professionalism and the great spirit 
of generosity that that's evident at the Olympic Club, and that of course was was evident when they raised four hundred thousand dollars for charity that night at uh, Fight Night. Did really, you, really amazing. It it really um, it really yeah, is. To, to answer your question, so in order to kind of, I did not follow what one would describe as a typical path when it came to combat sports announcing and hosting and commentary and broadcasting. I found it because of my pursuit of my first passion, which was professional wrestling as in like TV entertainment style wrestling, WWE style wrestling, which is far more performance based than anything else. It's very athletic Yes. But for those of you who are listening to this and you're asking yourself, so is it real in the context of the term real in the context that you're asking? No, it is not genuine athletic competition the way football is or baseball or boxing or MMA. It's far more performance based than than anything else. But that doesn't make it any less athletically demanding than any other, for lack of a better term, quote-unquote, real sport. Something about professional wrestling, and I think when I say something, I just mean everything. I mean the -the over-the-top characters, the unbelievable (laughs) athleticism, the drama, the music, the pyro, the stage, the crowd. All of it just grabbed me when I was a 12-year-old kid Uh and... I started watching at a time when wrestling was just on the cusp of being geared more towards kids, a more family-friendly audience, and more towards a teenager audience, a young adult audience. And so I like to tell people as I was growing, pro wrestling was growing with me, and it became a phase I never really grew out of. I'm Uh still, to this day, as a 38-year-old man, absolutely enamored with professional wrestling. I think it's it's spellbinding in ways that I still struggle to describe. And so that was the goal as a kid. I just wanted to be a pro wrestler with, with WWE. And I went to, believe it or not, it's called wrestling school, which is oftentimes just this sweaty little hole in the wall gym with a wrestling ring and some weights. Uh And you have trainers that teach you how to fall, which is called taking a bump. Every time you hit the canvas, with a body slam, a clothesline, or anything else, it's called taking a bump. So I was taught how to take a bump. I was taught how to interact with the crowd. I was taught how to do all the moves. I was you know, brainstorming characters and gimmicks along the way to make myself a larger-than-life persona. And I enjoyed some success on the independent level of pro wrestling, which is short of what you're seeing on television with WWE. And there's this other company making a ton of noise, all elite wrestling, which is not necessarily competition for WWE, but it's making enough noise that the world of professional wrestling is very much taking notice to, by the way, cut me off at any time because it's a bit of a long story, but you know, I, <laughs> let okay, me just, anytime. let me just yeah. jump in there. Cause I've got two questions for you. Uh, first of all, okay. the, for my listeners, please go to my website and go to the blog tab. You'll see the most recent blog there features many of the photographs and pictures of AJ in his wrestling performing days. So make sure you go to to the blog on my website. You'll see those photographs. That's number one. And number two, AJ, you talked about larger-than-life personas. Tell us about the persona that you created, Joe Brody, Brosef. Tell us about your larger-than-life persona that you created, Joe Brody. Yes. 
Brosif Joe Brody. <laughs> and if you're rolling your eyes as you're listening to that name, then that means it's doing exactly what I want that name to do. Brosif Joe Brody is a character that I created when I joined Hood Slam, which is a 21 and over pro wrestling company based out of Oakland, California. So very much not family friendly. Just ridiculously over-the-top characters, four-letter words all over the place. The crowd is drinking. We oftentimes had a live band perform the entrance music for everybody. So really, it was a pro wrestling party. It was a rager, Uh and it was always an amazing time. In fact, we recently celebrated our first show back in Oakland since the pandemic in front of over 2,000 fans. They could not wait to come back to Hood Slam, and neither could we, the performers. When I joined Hood Slam, because it was such an outrageous pro wrestling company, I just came in as myself, as AJ Kirsch, because I was about a little less than a year removed from WWE Tough Enough, which was a 2011 competition-style reality show, the winner of which would receive a contract with WWE. And uh-huh. that was my first taste of national stardom within professional wrestling. And I experienced moments on that show that I literally had to remind myself out loud that I wasn't dreaming. I got to train under names like Stone Cold Steve Austin, John Cena, Uh Rey Mysterio, Booker T, Trish Stratus. And by the way, if anybody has the streaming service Peacock, if you search for WWE Tough Enough, you have the entire season available at any time. Ours is season five, if you want to check it out and see a young, fresh-faced, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed A.J. Kirsch (laughs) trying not to crap his pants, training under the people that he grew up idolizing. Wow. So I was coming off of that experience, but I quickly realized that the crowd at Hood Slam did not care that I was on WWE television because most of the Hood Slam fans are not your typical pro wrestling fans. They're just out looking to have a good time on a Friday night. They Mm -hmm. don't really care much for, for WWE. They may have watched when they were a kid. So I quickly realized that I needed to come up with a character that could stand next to characters like El Chupacabra and Dark Sheik and (laughs) Drugs Bunny, which is, for those of you who don't know, is a 1920s gangster cocaine-addicted rabbit that is a spoof of of Bugs Bunny. Uh So some pretty ridiculous characters. And so... I was sick of being a good guy. I've been wrestling as a good guy for most of my career, and especially since Tough Enough. So I wanted to concoct a character that upon first glance, even hearing its name, would just make you go, oh, F this guy. Like, what a a smarmy, just get him out of here, get him out of my sight. And so taking shreds of my own life and personality, like, for example, I'm legitimately a gym rat. I work out every day. I, for a while, worked as a bouncer in one of San Francisco's most infamous neighborhoods, the Marina. I'm sure some of you are familiar. Of course. And (laughs) I also unironically, shamelessly, legitimately love Nickelback. And they have the reputation for just being the most crapped on band in the entire world. They're like the butt. They've been the butt of every musical joke for like the last 20 years, uh-huh. but I legitimately love them. And if you claim you don't, I'm going to call you a liar because <laughs> everybody knows and loves at least one Nickelback song. And even if you don't know who that is, if I played you one of their songs, you'd be like, oh yeah, I've heard that song. And then in private, you'd be like, you know what? It's not that bad. So I took all of those facets of my own personality 
and just amplified them to the nth degree, to the point that it was just obnoxious. And Broseph Joe Brody was born. And if you don't know who who bros everybody knows at least one broseph he's he's and i'm doing air quotes right here okay. he's that guy he's that guy he's the guy that you don't want to bring out to the party because he's the one that you're gonna have to like explain worry about drinking too much <laughs> and starting a fight and you know just always puffing out his chest always making everything a competition just the the personification of toxic masculinity <laughs> that character is so easily hated but I play that character in a way that isn't off-putting or triggering for people. Like, he's a buffoon. I make him the butt of all of my own jokes. It's, it's a tough line to walk when you're a character that is designed to be a bad guy, but you're also the host of a show, and you don't want people to hate the host to the point that they don't even want to watch the show. So being able to walk that line at Hood Slam, and Broseph has also had like appearances in a great deal of other promotions. And I'm very grateful that people see enough in my hosting ring announcing and live commentary. I do all three at hood slam and at other promotions that they, they want me there, but it's always a good time to be brosive because he's just such a buffoon. He's so aloof. He doesn't quite get it. It just allows everybody to have a really, really good time. Let me jump in there because brosive made quite an impression such that The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, noticed Brosef and brought Brosef, i.e. A.J. Kirsch, into the mix to promote his YouTube channel. Tell us about that. Tell us about your working with Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and what was that experience like? A dream come true is the short answer. <laughs> An absolute dream come true because he was one of those guys that I grew up watching. He made his debut maybe six months after I started watching wrestling. I think he was only 23, maybe 22 or 23 at the time, and really had no idea who he was as a performer yet. He was just pushed out there to smile and, you know, acknowledge the crowd and just be this cookie-cutter, white-meat good guy. And so I was able to watch him evolve from Rocky Maivia, which was his original name, to The Rock, just this larger-than-life, ultra-charismatic, but ultra-mean character. Yes. And then, of course, he just exploded in popularity once he became a good guy again. He started showing up in, in movies. He became one of the biggest box office draws in WWE history. And, of course, now he's arguably the biggest star in the world. So to be able to work with somebody who I not only idolized as a kid and as a performer, but is just that A-plus level talent known worldwide was a dream come true. And the specific project was something known as Rock the Promo, which, as you said, he used to, to promote his YouTube channel. It was actually the project that he used to launch his YouTube channel in 2016 when he enlisted the help of other legends within the world of pro wrestling to evaluate fans who submitted pro wrestling style promos and uh -huh. promo is wrestling jargon for talking smack on the mic. Uh -huh. And so I was so much at home with this bros of Joe Brody character that I was like, you know what? I think I've got a good shot at, at least competing in a tournament 
as Broseph Joe Brody. Because AJ, let, let me put, let me jump in and uh, ask you a question. We have listeners in fifty plus countries. Explain what talking smack is, and maybe give us some examples okay. of it. Right. So talking smack is basically trash talking your opponent. It's bad mouthing your opponent. Okay. It's, it's building yourself up to basically be the greatest thing since sliced bread and then turning that around on your opponent and making them feel like nothing, like less than nothing. Like they shouldn't <laughs> even show up to wherever you're going to be because uh-huh. it's going to be embarrassing for them, their family and future generations. So it's best for everybody. If they just stay home, <laughs> hand over the victory to the person they know it belongs to and save themselves and their family for future generations, a ton of pain and suffering. Kind of like that. So that's, that's talking smack. Basically it's the ultimate put down, and it's the ultimate yeah. intimidation of your opponent. Absolutely. You're, you're trying to get in your opponent's head and make them think they are less than capable when they are around you or when they're dealing with you. Conor McGregor is another example of oh, somebody yes. who is just really, really good at trash talk. And what's interesting is that sometimes you see it in sports such as soccer, basketball, uh, football. You see them you see them talk trash in the heat of the moment, but it's really in combat sports, boxing, MMA, and wrestling, when you almost expect it because it is such a confrontational genre of sports, whether it's, again, pro wrestling is a performance more than anything else, but it's under the illusion of confrontation. And so it's about, it's not just about bad-mouthing your opponent and building yourself up. It's also about getting the audience emotionally invested enough in you and your opponent, that they ultimately pay to see the confrontation happen. So it's not just self-serving. It's not just to inflate your own ego. It's also to fuel the fire between you, your opponent, but also fire up public interest to get them fascinated in the spectacle of the confrontation when it inevitably happens. So The Rock put together this YouTube show, and he was soliciting promos from wrestling fans. And so you were from anybody from anybody. So you were on the show. And what was your role? I did. I watched it. I, I watched a couple of the episodes, but explain for the listeners <laughs> what exactly you did and also the competition and where you scored in the competition. Yeah. So the basically my role was to perform as Bruce of Joe Brody and to verbally eviscerate my opponent and uh-huh. to do it in a way that was entertaining and funny, but also moments where it could be taken seriously. Because one of the reasons I came up with the Brosif character is because he's a realistic character. There are people out there that actually look and act like Brosif. Uh-huh. And so there were some characters on rock, the promo that were a little bit more over the top, but because you, all you have is the character. You don't have the pro wrestling arena to give a home to these over-the-top characters. You had some characters that were a little bit harder to believe, or you had some characters that weren't quite convincing enough, or, or maybe playing pro wrestler rather than really just trying to live a moment in the life of this character. I knew who I was going to be facing ahead of time, and I only had, you know, a, a couple days to write and shoot and edit and submit these promos uh-huh. and they would be evaluated by other legends within professional wrestling. For those of you who are wrestling fans, my 
rounds were evaluated by Kurt Angle, who, by the way, was also an Olympic gold medalist in uh-huh. the 1996 Olympics, won uh, freestyle wrestling with a broken neck, who would go on to become a professional wrestler, an Amazing. unfathomably tough and gritty athlete. And then after that was a wrestler by the name of Christian, who was a tag team specialist and has been tearing it up in all elite wrestling, which I mentioned earlier. Who is next? Cody Rhodes, who was one of the co-founders of all elite wrestling. I believe Mick Foley was next who wrestled as mankind. And I think as a two or three time New York times bestselling author. Mm-hmm. And then the final round was judged by Dwayne Johnson himself in person. I had to cut the final promo in front of Dwayne Johnson and he had the rock the promo championship belt over his shoulder and he declared me the winner handed me that rock the promo championship right off of his shoulder and it was just one of if not the greatest achievement in my professional career well actually that photograph of you and Dwayne Johnson together is on that blog post that I referred to earlier that, that, right. my, that my listeners can go to my website, go to the blog tab. And the very first photograph that you're going to see is Dwayne Johnson awarding the belt to AJ. Now, AJ, since you've talked about smack and you, you won the smack competition with Dwayne, the rock Johnson as the judge, give us an example of what you said. What, what were some of the pearls of wisdom that you could share with us? Some of the pearls of smack that you could share with us, bro, this is a free podcast. Do you think I'm going to give out what I do (laughs) for free? Make your listeners pay me some money to do it because Dwayne Johnson of all people said that I do this better than anybody else in the entire world, bro. So if you think I'm giving this away from free, for free, you are sorely, sorely mistaken. In fact, I might just hang up the phone right now. I'm so offended that you would ask me to spill my trash talking skills for free for your listeners. In fact, I just did though, didn't I? Damn it! <laughs> I just did all that trash talking for free. You know what? Lucky day for you and all of your listeners to get just a taste of the magnificence that is Brosive Joe Brody, guaranteed to bro your mind. <laughs> well, listeners, there is an example of Smack Talk from Brosef, Joe Brody, a.k.a. AJ, AJ Kirsch. So, AJ, where can where can my listeners, where can they they go to YouTube and look up, what do they have to look up to to actually see the uh, see these promos with uh, you and Dwayne Johnson? Yeah, so if you just go to YouTube and search Rock the Promo, and if you want to narrow it down a little bit to watch my episodes, you can search Rock the Promo Brosif, which is B-R-O-S-E-P-H. If you just want to check out the finale, you can you can check out Rock the Promo Finale. But also, I have a lot of other stuff on YouTube as far as like hosting, ring announcing, broadcasting. So if you just search AJ Kirsch on YouTube, you'll find a ton, a ton of stuff. Let's come back to actually being in the ring for instance, when you and I were at the Olympic club, you were there in your tuxedo, you were in the ring. And of course you've been a wrestler. You've been in the ring. Yep. You've known the ecstasy, the agony of defeat and the ecstasy of victory. I noticed some of the pictures of you. And of course I, I remember that night at the, at the Olympic club. I mean, you are able to empathize with the, the loser 
or you're able to celebrate with the winner. I mean, there was a genuine, you, you had a genuine ability to communicate because you've been there yourself. Tell us about some, are there any moments either from that event at the Olympic Club or other events that really stand out in terms of where your pro wrestling experience from being in the ring really helped you to maybe buck up a, a loser or to, you know, to cheer on that winner to the next, to the next level. Honestly, I'm more concerned with developing a relationship with the audience than I am the fighters. Mm -hmm. The fighters have worked so hard to get to that moment when I announce their name as they are just seconds away from stepping into battle. The moment that I cherish the most between myself and the fighters is when we make eye contact as I'm announcing them. Because there is a, a fire and an intensity that just building inside them. And I feel like it's not until the bell rings that they really get a chance to let that out. When I announce their name as they're just, again, seconds away from stepping into battle, it's their last chance to find the fire and the focus they need to give it their absolute best. And so the pressure that I feel when I'm in there is living up to the expectations of the fighters who dream of having their name announced. Not necessarily by me, maybe more by a Michael Buffer or a Bruce Buffer or in the wrestling world there was a ring announcer by the name of Howard Finkel who is almost unanimously regarded as the best ring announcer of all time but I have the privilege of, a, of letting the crowd know who these human beings are before they physically pour their heart out mm -hmm. and that to me just is an amazing position to be in but also as I'm announcing those names the crowd may have never heard of any of the, the combatants in the ring but it's my job as I announce them to make them feel like a big deal, them the fighters, and to make them the audience put down their phones, stop their conversations, and pay attention to what's about to happen in the ring. That's, that's what I enjoy most about it. Because if the crowd's not responding, I feel like I'm not doing my job. So when they applaud after I introduce a fighter, if they applaud after I announce the result of a fight, I know that they are invested and their investment means the world, not just to me, but far more than it does to me, to the fighters. I see. So you're, so you're really there. One of your major roles is to make sure that this, the praise or the criticism or the, the love or the, the lack of love that the audience has towards these fighters, towards these wrestlers is really communicated to the competitor, to the contestant. Correct. Correct. Okay. And, and it's my job to make the audience invested as possible. Mm -hmm. Brosif, uh, if I may use, uh, if I may use your, your stage name in the, Oh, Hey bro. What's up? <laughs> in the closing moments of our podcast here, are there any additional thoughts you'd like to share with our audience for, you know, that young man or young woman who's out there who like you, 10 or 15 years ago has dreams of becoming an announcer of who's fascinated by, by MMA or wrestling or boxing. And they, they see an announcer like you. Do you have any, any inspirational thoughts for that young man or young woman who would like to follow that path that you followed so successfully to make a career in this field? I do. And I also just want to point out how quickly this flew by. So, so thank you for you know, offering me the, the platform to tell my story. And it was a lot of fun. And I hope you get a chance to do it again at some point. 
I really didn't expect to end up here when I started out. Because as I said, the dream was originally to be a, a pro wrestler. And there, I, I enjoyed a plethora of moments, far more than I could have ever hoped for when I started out on this journey that I will treasure forever and far exceeded my own expectations. It wasn't until I realized that my most valuable contributions are behind a microphone. And that didn't just stop with professional wrestling. As, as you know, that spilled over into boxing, that spilled over into MMA. And I, I even took that experience and spilled over into commercials and movies. And I voiced over video games. And I even took my confidence as a public speaker I went and got myself ordained. So now I marry people. I'm an ordained minister. I can marry anybody. So, like, you never really know where your pursuit is going to take you and the detours along the way and the surprises along the way. But whatever it is, if it's pro wrestling or or boxing or MMA or whatever your dreams are, just go after them. Go after your dreams because – you are going to spend your entire life wondering what if, if you choose not to, you have no idea what's waiting for you if and when you choose to actually go after what really lights your fire. So go after it. You have no idea what's going to come if you, if you go for it, but I can guarantee you it's not going to happen if you don't go for it. And I wish I had a little bit more specific advice, I guess. But for anybody listening, go after what makes you happy. You have no idea what can happen along the way, but you are going to savor every second you're chasing down your dreams. Well, AJ, with that inspirational message to to our listeners, and as I mentioned, we have listeners in more than 50 countries, my hope and expectation is that there are some listeners sitting out there who are going to be inspired by this and going to take the steps to follow a path similar to yours and where better to start than going to the YouTube videos and going to your website. And by the way, what is your, uh, do you want to share your website with the listeners? Yeah. Thank you for that. AJKirsch.com. That's A-J-K-I-R-S-C-H.com. All of my social media is on there. It's all at AJ Kirsch. My email is on there. So if you want to get a hold of me, you're welcome to do so. If you want to, if you're listening to this and you want to book me for your next combat sports event or your next expo or your next fundraiser, or if you or someone you know are getting married within the next year or so and you need an officiant, like reach out to me. I am not hard to find. I'm also on LinkedIn. So any number of different ways you can get a hold of me, but ajkirsch.com is where you can go to find everything right in front of you. Well, once again, AJ, I'd th- like to thank you very much for joining us today. Most definitely, we will have you back. Very, very entertaining. Some great insights here, not only for following a path similar to yours in the combat sports announcement area, but in general career advice for any young man or woman. Thank you. I appreciate that. And like, I appreciate you saying that if anybody out there does want to follow a path similar to mine, as I said at the top of the conversation, mine is a weird path, everybody. It is, it's an odd path. I would be shocked if anybody listening followed something that was even remotely similar. But the the point is find your path, find and follow your path, whatever that is. Once again, AJ, thank you. And for my listeners, 
please take a moment to go to my website, www.thesanfranciscoexperiencepodcast.com and subscribe to the podcast by clicking on the subscribe button. It's free and it's easy to do so. And by subscribing, you can listen to the past 216 episodes. You can peruse my book, read my blog post, send me an email, or leave me a comment. This has been the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy, coming to you from America's favorite city, San Francisco.